I don't know if anybody has seen the film Clockwise. Oh, yes. jo- John Cleese. It, it's about someone who's, who's very organised, um, slowly but surely getting into a spiral of disorganisation um, until finally sort of the wheel falls off his life and everything goes appallingly wrong. Um, we were on our way back from a meeting, we as elders, and... Uh, Nigel mentioned how much he was looking forward to my sermon. And, uh, and I said, yes, you know, uh, in October. No, he said, Sunday. <coughs> I said, but I've prepared the October one. No, he said, you're preaching on Sunday. Can you, is that all right? Oh, you're better there? Okay. I'd, I just... <coughs> I just feel like I'm falling into the congregation. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so I have, in fact, prepared an absolutely uh, brilliant sermon um, on, a, on a subject uh, that I will now not be preaching on, on a date that I won't be preaching on, um, and have prepared something else um, starting on Thursday. And Belinda will tell you that when I, when I prepare uh, for preaching... I actually start weeks and weeks and weeks in advance and I kind of do it a bit of a time and I work on through and then uh, <coughs> that has not happened on this occasion. So throughout August and September, we've been undertaking a short series on the gospel. Um, and are we going to play the DVD this morning? No. Well, okay, great, because we have a six-part definition of the gospel. That's what we have been considering Who knows what those six parts are? Okay, who that isn't an elder and or related to an elder knows what these six parts are? Okay, first three. Okay, okay, a free gift or a free offer. Yeah, applied to our lives, the gospel applied to our lives. And the last one. Yes. yes, there we go. I've got to admit that when we were talking about it, the car, Belinda and I, I didn't know them all. And <laughs> she was better than me. I can't stand here before you and let you think that I know them all. They're written down in front of me. Okay, this morning we considered the fifth part of the definition, which is the gospel applied to our lives. And uh, for those who've seen the DVD, John Piper um, put it this way. He said... The gospel applied to our lives is the application of the achievement, which is to say this is what happens when these things happen to you and me. Uh, now, uh, I, 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 I would have misgivings about the honesty of anyone who said that they were and had always been perfect. Uh, that's why you know, any rational person... Uh, must acknowledge, in the words of uh, Romans 3.23, that all have fallen short. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay? We are all accountable for our reprehensible or regrettable actions or behaviours or, or thoughts uh, or lapses or faults or offences. I mean, there's a huge list of the things we're accountable for. I won't go on. But in doing so, we have valued ourselves above God. 
uh, we've placed our own self-indulgence, our own self-gratification uh, above the honour and glory of God. And that's sin. Sin is where we fall short of God's glory, where we choose anything other than to glorify God and when we do not take his name seriously. So consequently, sin is our opening condition. It, it, it's mine, it's yours, it's, it's everyone's. It's where we start. And our sin has uh, earned us something, as, as Nigel uh, reminded uh, last week. Uh, Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. So man's first condition, yours and mine, is to be found holding his earnings. Yeah. You know, there's a pay packet in our hand, you know, which we earned fair and square, and in it is death. The wages of sin is death. Uh, and if you aren't a Christian, if you don't know the Lord, well, the Bible, the Bible tells us very clearly that that condition, the first condition, is your current condition. That's where you are. And uh, what peace can there be, uh, wrote Wesley, when our own heart condemns us? But it is the glorious grace of God that Romans 6.23 doesn't finish there. Sure, it begins with the wages of sin is death, but it finishes with, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And uh, John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The gospel demands a response. And uh, the response that, uh, you know, it demands, if you like, um, there is kind of one answer to the question, which is to, to place our faith in Jesus Christ. So we have man's condition, sin. We have man's earnings, death. We have the recognition of that position by God. And we have a grace to give us a way out of it through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, from the, the NIV, Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of, we do no, of what we do not see. And the uh, NASB, which I've included for Bill, uh, includes it as, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. <laughs> When we, we turn the key or, or press the starter button in the car, uh, it's an act of faith. Uh, it's an act of faith in our car. We, we expect it will start. We expect that all the dimly understood oily bits and electrical bits will do their thing, and the car will, on command, commence running. Uh, I'm sure others can, but I could tell you of cars where such faith would be misplaced that I have owned. Um, especially if the weather was anything other than blue skies, moderate temperatures, um, gentle breezes, low, low pollen counts. Um, when we are driving and we depress the brake pedal, that too is an act of faith. Okay? And I can tell you of a time years ago when 
Belinda and I whizzed off to what was called house group in her, her Volkswagen Golf. Um, our drive was quite narrow and we had to park behind each other. Hers was nearest out. Look at the time we've got to go, grabbed the keys, leapt in the car, went hurtling off and I've got to tell you that uh, my faith was misplaced and that uh, I could have all the faith I wanted in that car but it wasn't going to stop it. The point being that all the faith in the world won't help me and it won't help you if the object in which it is placed is not reliable. Or put another way, the point about faith is it can only be fruitful if the object in which it is placed is true. Faith isn't an, an abstract intellectual agreement to what we can't see. Faith is complete trust and reliance and dependence on God to do what we can't do for ourselves. So our subject is the application of the achievement and the application of the achievement of the gospel and speaks of what happens when we put our faith in Jesus. Because until we've done that, we've applied nothing. Mm. And what we do has eternal consequences. We can easily consider that this is something for me now. We can consider it to be a lifestyle choice. We could consider it to be something that makes me feel better. But it is greatly, hugely more than that. It has eternal consequences. Um, You know, the tectonic plates of eternity shift uh, when we put our our faith in Jesus Christ. And there's a bunch of stuff that happens. Um, The first one is, well, we we are redeemed. Those who put their faith in Jesus Christ are redeemed. Uh, Ephesians 1, 7, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And in Colossians 1, 13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I think that the concept of redemption is, is less understood these days because it, its context was slavery. Uh, and, you know, praise God, slavery is not something that we, uh, we come across. Essentially, it speaks of the release from captivity of slaves. It says someone has, has paid the price to free them. It speaks to rescue, to relief. Uh, to being released into something good, taken out of something bad. Um, We have redemption because we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Jesus has paid for us with his blood. We earned uh, the wages of sin. Jesus has paid to redeem us. We do sometimes sing songs about redemption, but I mean, you know, Derek, you 
You've been redeemed. That was for you. Wow. It's astonishing. It's just amazing. A Callie. Just for a change, I'll pick on you instead of your husband. You've been redeemed. You have been bought out of slavery. Wahoo! <laughs> you know, Tim, Tim, you've been redeemed. You've been bought out of slavery. Well, the wow in my notes has five exclamation marks. Um, but I just think this is amazing. I, I, you know, part of me kind of goes, whoa, that's heavy. And another part of me goes, that's brilliant. Thank you, Lord. You're brilliant. You're great. <laughs> I'll show you the scripture later. God fought forward his son, Jesus Christ, that through his death, he, God the Father, might demonstrate his own righteousness. And Piper again. The death of the Son of God is a declaration of the value that God places upon his glory, the hatred that he has for sin, and the love that he has for sinners. The implications are jaw-dropping. They're just... Wow, the love born for you and me and the price freely paid for you and me and the freedom from sin invested in us who have put our faith in Christ. We are redeemed. We're bought out. And we're forgiven. I just think that's astounding. See, I know me better than you know me. And I know all the things that I need to be forgiven of. So I know a much longer list about me than you know about me. Well, possible exception of my wife. (laughs) And I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. In him we have the redemption. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins I'm going to read that again in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Last Supper, even before what our definition of the gospel calls the historical event, Matthew twenty six twenty eight. Jesus said this, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And we read in Romans 8, uh, starting verse 1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there is 
now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gave life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Redeemed, forgiven, set free. The concept of forgiveness occurs, I'm told reliably, 142 times in the New Testament. 142 times. And I got to wondering why, <laughs> why so often? Um, and I can throw out some thoughts on that. The first one is, I think we're prone to forgetting that we're forgiven. Yeah. I think we're actually pro- just prone to forgetting it. I actually think that we sometimes find forgiving ourselves harder than God does. We are people who are forgiven. Okay, now at this point, I'm going to apologize to Phil. I'm very sorry, Phil. Okay, because I know you hate this song. Uh, It's so old that Nigel probably remembers teaching it to my generation. We're all going to sing it, Nigel. Okay, let me read the words. There are a number of words. I get so excited. Lord, every time I realize. I'm forgiven. <laughs> I'm forgiven. <sighs> Jesus, Lord, you've done it all. You've paid the price. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. <laughs> Lord, my heart just fills with praise. <laughs> my feet start. Oh, we're not going there. Um, and my hands rise up, uh, and my lips, they bless your name. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Is it over yet? I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. One more. One more, one more. I'm forgiven. <laughs> now, look, Rupert gets excited every time Cardiff City manages a draw. Okay. <laughs> Speaking. <laughs> and Nigel gets excited every time Wolverhampton Wanderers fields a full team. <laughs> Turn up, yeah. Folks, we are forgiven. Yeah. Okay, now I'm not counting on a riot. Okay, I mean that's okay. On you know, I'm not counting on a riot. But do you not think we are overly calm sometimes? <laughs> About, about the fact that we're forgiven. Do you know, I mean, this, this song, for all it's Asian, this guy is going mental about being forgiven. Uh, okay, he's going bonkers. Never mind the tune. Here is someone who is just coming to the point where he realizes he's forgiven, bouncing off it in amazement and going, I must go back and check. <gasps> it's true. I must go back and check. It's true. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Okay, now... The other thing, I, the reason I chose, chose, chose this song, apart from the wine fill-up, um, the reason I chose this song is because 
Uh, it says, I get so excited. It doesn't say, I walked in and I'm so excited already. It says, I get so excited. Because somewhere in here is the thought process of, of someone who's, who's thinking about what God has done, that the forgiveness that God has given him, that he has redeemed and forgiven, and he's getting worked up just because he's thinking about it. Okay, he's not manufacturing anything, and he didn't start off, you know, like Tigger. Uh, he's, he said... I'm, I'm forgiven. I'm excited. Okay, she's off. And <laughs> okay, now, so so I'm going to I'm going to in the nicest possible way. I'm I'm going to challenge you. I mean, can I ask you one question seriously? This is not a rhetorical question. Feel free to answer it. Is there any conceivable reason why we shouldn't get excited? about being forgiven. Okay. Shall we, we sing it then? Yeah. What do you reckon? I mean, we can just you know, move on. Get, get to coffee a few minutes quicker, you know. Uh, well, I am. Plus I, <laughs> plus, I taught it to some of the students in the car. <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> you see, they couldn't get out. <laughs> and and all, I, all, all I got was, was criticism because I sang it differently every time. And, uh, I, I, you know, that could happen. <clears throat> I get so excited every time I realize... You're doing it sat down, are you? I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Jesus, Lord, you've done it all. You've paid the price. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Hallelujah, Lord, my heart just fills with praise. My feet start dancing and my hands rise up and my lips say praise your name. I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. Well, well done, you did well. I'm, 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 in, I'm impressed. Are you putting that on the internet? No, we're cutting that bit out. You missed out the bridge, which is who, who, who the function <laughs> So the, 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 the challenge to the worship group for next week is to come up with, with uh, songs about forgiveness and, and redemption that uh, can't in any way be uh, bent towards some sort of primate life form. <laughs> We can get cynical, you know, about people who get excited. You know, we we can. We can get, yeah, oh, they're off again. You know, yeah, what do they have for breakfast over there? We we can get cynical, and, and I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I felt a firm rebuke from God on that, and I don't see why you should get away with it. That's... <laughs> <laughs> As, as well, if someone comes in here and they get excited about being forgiven and redeemed, they're right. And if I don't get excited about redeemed, being redeemed and forgiven, I'm wrong. Yeah. Okay. And I do, I, I, I'm going to be a bit naughty as well. 
um, I do sometimes wonder, I've done this myself, so I've had to repent, that there's a certain amount of, um, well, now I know I'm allowed to get excited. Um, I might choose not to. It's, it's almost like, you know, um, no, I didn't want one of your sweets. I just wanted you to offer me one. <laughs> it's not like that at all. You know, we're allowed to get excited. It's appropriate to get excited. It's not odd to get excited. It's normal to get excited because we're forgiven. <laughs> because we're forgiven. Psalm so, 32, 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. If you know Jesus Christ is your saviour, that's you. So you've gathered. I think it's highly appropriate to get excited about being forgiven. Um, but the word of God is clear that we have to live forgiven. Um... I mean, do, do we always forgive ourselves? I, I, I just think it, it's, it's odd that we, we can find ourselves in a situation where we know that God has forgiven us our sin, but we struggle to forgive ourselves because it's almost like we think we know better. Now, okay, fling a few galaxies into space, okay, and I'll accept that you might have a point. Until then, I'm sorry, he's better qualified. And we really should go with him. Do we forgive each other? You know. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Ephesians 4.32. We walk in that? All the time? With everybody. I mean, the parable of the, I mean, in my Bible it calls it the parable of the unmerciful servant, Matthew 18. It teaches that we should be forgiving people because we are a forgiven people. Okay? Romans 4, 4 to 8. This is in the context of Paul's long discussion on faith in this letter. And we read this. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. <coughs> We're forgiven. You might have got that by now. We are forgiven. You know Jesus Christ, you're forgiven. Our sins are covered. We're forgiven. And the Lord will never count our sin against us. Now, just to be clear, 
Forgiveness is not limited to the sin that pre-exists the moment we put our faith in Jesus. We're not forgiven up to there and then everything else is up for grabs. Okay, we are forgiven. Okay, our future is not in the balance. The Lord will never count our sin against us. Forgiven, redeemed, and we are made righteous. Made righteous. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 tells us, God made him who had no sin, which is Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And nobody can have a righteous standing before God on the basis of a, a scorecard or a, a tick box system or some kind of barter system which trades off, you know, good things and bad things that I did. I live in a household where there are several women. Uh, as a result, our viewing pleasure occasionally involves a program called Downton Abbey. And uh, there was a, a, a very good illustration. There was a little, um, a little housemaid there. She was supposed to put a little pot of poison something and, and, and another little pot of stuff to go on the chicken. And she got mixed up. So the poison went upstairs to be put on the chicken, which, which wouldn't have done well for the gentry. And uh, she was running around. She was actually shouting, God, God, I'll do anything, God. I'll do anything at all. Just, just don't let them eat that food. Anything, God. I'll do, I'll do anything. And of course, it's, it's make-believe. It's not real. So the gentry survived to another episode. But, but we've all kind of done that in some way, haven't we? We've all attempted to do a trade. And uh, that's, that's not what the Bible teaches us. And even if we are Christians, we have faith in Jesus Christ, we still sometimes are, are a bit like that. You know, I'll do this, Lord, if you do that. No, that's not, that's not scriptural, I'm afraid. Nobody can have a righteous standing before God. Uh, but we are judged as righteous by God through faith in Jesus Christ. As a result, God's righteousness is counted as ours. Uh, the posh word is imputed. Or put another way, he gives us his righteousness to put on and wear. So that means we're loved, we're redeemed, we're forgiven, and we're made righteous. And all these hap things happen when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And probably the, the other thing that goes on is that we are justified. Um, Romans 8.30 tells us this. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. We're justified. And the justified will be glorified. They will reach the glory of God. They will see him face to face. And they will do so solely and exclusively because they have been justified by the blood of Jesus. Uh, to quote Keller, Justification, which is to say being justified, is not merely an abstract theological concept. It's a sense of approval and belonging that every person desires. 
Justification is more than having our sins forgiven. It means that in God's eyes, we are given Jesus' perfect record. We are treated as if we have lived the perfect life that Jesus lived. We're given the love that Jesus deserved. We have the same access to the Father that Jesus has. The good news is that all of this comes not from us doing anything, but by faith. We can't buy it. So, the application of the achievement of the gospel, it's our redemption. It's our forgiveness. It's our righteousness. It's our justification and it's our glorification if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. You've all gone very quiet. It's our redemption. It's our redemption. But it's our redemption. It's our redemption. Our forgiveness. Our righteousness. That was interesting, wasn't it? That was interesting. I might have to do that point again. Okay. It was our justification. It's our justification. And it's our glorification. It is, you know, it, it is, and there, therein comes, comes the whole concept of grace, because it is grace and unmerited favour. Nigel spoke about it last week. This is something we don't deserve. This is something we can never deserve. This is something we can't earn, we can't buy, we can't build. This is something that we have no contribution to make, which will make us attractive to receive it. This is the free gift of God. Wow. Grace is just an amazing, 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 amazing thing. You know, because I get to stand here and I get to talk to you, you know, not because of anything I've ever done or anything I've earned or achieved or anything I'm worth. I get here to talk to you because of the grace of God in my life. Yeah? Grace. If you aren't a Christian, none of these things have happened to you. Uh, We touched upon it earlier. If you're not a Christian, sin is your present condition. And you sit here this morning condemned by your own heart because you know, you know you're not perfect. And the good news, the good news is that all of these things can happen to you if you put your faith in Jesus.